Steve Schwartzman, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. You're chairman, CEO and co-founder of the Blackstone Group. Uh, You started off by setting out your view of the world and the world's finances at the beginning of this leadership seminar. What do you think is going on and why? Well, I I think what's going on is reasonably clear at this point. Uh, We've got a pretty rapid economic expansion in Asia. Uh, We've got the U.S. also uh, uh, expanding, uh, probably at a 3 to 4% rate this year. Uh, Places like Canada doing equally well. Uh, Latin America, uh, in most of its major countries, also growing quickly. Uh, the Middle East growing uh, at a good rate with high uh, oil prices, uh, and we've got uh, Europe as the economic laggard uh, in the world. Now, you spoke with great enthusiasm and excitement about the, the growth of Asia. Why? Well, I think uh, Asia's got a lot of capital. Uh, they are increasingly drawing people into the middle class. Um, between China and India, you've got two and a half uh, billion people Uh, out of the world's roughly 6.3 billion. So you've got a huge concentration uh, of population in Asia with rapidly increasing educational and prosperity levels. Uh, So um, given that most of these countries also have pretty uh, uh, prudent governments, uh, even though they are mixed types of governments in terms of of, um, uh, political systems, uh, that, that it's very difficult to find a flaw uh, in, in that part of the world's uh, uh, growth prospects over the next certainly five years, if not ten. And, and you all were also optimistic, surprisingly, about the North American economies and the South American economies. Well, the South American economies mostly uh, uh, are, are prospering uh, by selling goods to China. Uh, and if China is going to grow uh, in the 7 8% minimum range, uh, currently up around 12, which is overheating, so it'll be reduced, then certain Latin American countries are going to do very well selling them uh, raw materials. Uh, the States uh, comes off of a very bad period um, uh, with growth of 5.6% in the uh, last uh, quarter, uh, fourth quarter of last year, Literally nobody was shopping uh, in America the year before. So it's not a heroic uh, economic rebound. Uh, It'll probably be half to two-thirds of what we'd normally expect. But it looks so good compared to dreadful that I think people are getting pretty uh, excited about that. And that also reflects in the financial markets, doesn't it? You talked again uh, with great excitement about liquidity. You said liquidity levels were astonishing. Can you give us some of those figures? Well, you've had uh, dramatic changes, and the Federal Reserve in the United States in particular has kept rates very low, as have the central banks around the world. And what happens when you keep interest rates very, very low, uh, what, what tends to happen is that buyers of securities will drive down the interest rates that they pay on private debt, Uh, and stock markets pop up uh, because people are looking for investment alternatives and they're just tired uh, of buying treasuries, short-term treasuries or gilts. Uh, And this creates um, a certain level of prosperity 
Uh, I'm at uh, Cambridge uh, University today, uh, and the Cambridge Endowment has more or less recovered uh, to its levels before the Lehman uh, crash. Now, that's pretty remarkable, given what's happened to the economy in Great Britain. So you're optimistic about the world of finance and, and in a sense, for these levels of profits to be maintained and continued? Well, I think there's a separation between markets and profits of real companies. Uh, Markets are doing well because companies are slowly uh, uh, improving, but they're doing well for the most part because central banks want them to do well and are creating low interest rates to create those high markets. What the world needs to be worried about uh, uh, is, is a situation where the central banks have had enough of low interest rates and start raising interest rates. At that point, um, uh, there is more potential risk to people who own securities. Moving on to your personal tips, you started out at Lehman's. Indeed, you became CEO at a, a very young age, indeed, before you set up with a, with a partner and established the Blackstone Group. Just some of those tips for success. Let's go through them very quickly. You said, think success, not failure. Well, you always have to worry about failure. Uh, and um, uh, try and engineer out the prospects uh, uh, for failure. But, but you need to have a vision of what success looks like. You have to have a dream. And it takes longer to think through what a really compelling dream would be than just going out and doing something that somebody else is doing. And the worth of that dream uh, gives you a goal that there's many different paths to get to that dream. But if the dream isn't differentiated, isn't pretty unique, isn't a special value add, it's basically not worth doing, in my opinion. And so you dream that big dream, but you only have 2.5 years to fail. Why is that? I think people get tired of failure. Uh, and failure really hurts if you're used to being successful. Uh, also, just from a practical point of view, you usually can't raise enough financing to live for more than two and a half years. And, and uh, that's certainly true. You said think about your partner. You need a partner almost like in a marriage that complements your traits, your abilities, and a cheery f frame of mind and a sense of good cheer helps. Well, you go through a lot of different things uh, when you're starting a business, if, uh, if it's an entrepreneurial situation. Uh, and it's good to have somebody around who complements uh, your skills, un unless you're uh, a really remarkable person who can do almost everything. Uh, odds are uh, that you can do some things, uh, hopefully, remarkably well, uh, but not all. Uh, and you need uh, someone uh, to do those other things that you don't either like to do or you're not really capable of doing in an absolutely first-class way uh, to team up with you. And you have to make sure there's the right personality fit. Uh, because even if it looks good on paper, if you can't get along, it could be really painful. We won't delay you much longer, but you also talked about management and recruiting techniques. That lovely story of always employ the ten and nines and not the eights. Well, actually, you can occasionally employ an eight, uh, but uh, I, I always look for um, the relatively few people uh, in, in a field who, who can really be the agents of massive change. Uh, and uh, those are your tens. Uh, and they can create 
unique businesses, attract people, uh, avoid risk, uh, uh, have a, a great uh, disposition and drive, uh, and those people can really make it happen. Uh, your nines uh, can run businesses uh, in a very uh, strong and competent way. Uh, they just tend to, to not have that out-of-the-box uh, imagination and follow-through uh, that the tens do. Uh, most really good people you'll see are nines. And the eights will hit the dog rather than avoid the dog well, if there's an accident on the horizon. Well, the eights don't like to take a lot of risk. They're not abnormally flexible. Uh, they're competent, uh, but you don't want to put them in situations that demand more of them than they're capable of giving. Uh, and sevens, uh, you don't want to employ. And, and you also said in terms of your riches and wealth that you've built up as co-founder of, of Blackstones, that, that sometimes in itself comes under the microscope, doesn't it, in an age where people feel envious of what bankers earn. And you said that if you're on the road to success, envy would be something that you would have to encounter. Well, I don't think it's uh, particularly... Uh, 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 applicable to this time in history, although for sure uh, it, it is applicable. But generally, uh, what, what I've found, and I, I just may have been in too many uh, uh, difficult places, but uh, I found that, uh, that, that, that you know, the normal course of life is that, that someone is happy if someone they know well is failing. Uh, and it's an odd part of the human condition that, that people as a whole like you perhaps to be successful but not to. Uh, and if you start becoming more successful than is expected and, and you're no longer in the same reference group uh, that people you know see you in, then it creates a variety of complexities uh, in your life. And I don't think that's limited uh, to any particular country or culture. I think that's normal human behavior. And just finally, because I know you, you have to go, but you said finance when you started in it was a really dreary profession. And it's just that we've had sort of about 20 good years and only four bad. Do you think we'll ever go back to being dreary again? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, finance is a, is a funny kind of business. Uh, you know, it depends what the overall macroeconomic conditions are. If you find a, a, a time, if you find yourself in a time where there's basically pretty high levels of inflation, whether you were living in Latin America uh, uh, for a decade or two, uh, or if you were living in the States uh, in the 1970s where there was very high inflation, very high interest rates, very low economic growth, absolutely go nowhere uh, equity markets, you can have a 10-year period like that. And if you grow up in a period like that, which I did, uh, you don't expect success to occur with any regularity, and you're constantly on guard against too much success because you have a sense you're going to go back to the same awful times as when you spent your formative years. The people who have the most to risk are the people who grew up in good times because they believe good times are always meant to happen and they're actually not. Steve Schwartzman, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. I've learned so much. Thank you very much.